I sort of thought, I, I really want to be in front of the camera. I want people to know me rather than being like this anonymous person. I think yeah. becoming a YouTuber is incredibly yeah. difficult. How can yeah. I put my hands in lots of different pies so that I'm not just relying on YouTube? I kind of got the advice from a couple of different people to just stop. And I just, I regret it so much. Today on the podcast, I am joined by YouTuber, entrepreneur, Ollie White. Ollie, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm doing really good. Really good. Good, good. good. Let's take it back to, <laughs> yeah. how did you start on YouTube? Like, do you remember the first time you just like picked up a camera and started editing? Like, what was that like? Yeah, so I, I had, my dad bought me this computer for my, for my bedroom and yeah. I just thought it was like the most amazing thing. It was like literally like a, this like wide. A it was just like an absolute yeah. brick and like i remember like we didn't have an internet for ages and there was obviously like the whole dial up yeah, and all this yeah. kind of stuff but moving on a little bit from when i first got my computer i started watching youtube videos yeah. and um you know a couple of british youtubers a couple of american youtubers and i was so fascinated and sort of confused as to why random people around the world were watching these creators like yeah. what's special about them what are they doing yeah um so i sort of understood lots of things from you know people doing comedy skits to then sort of like show concept ideas to then like vlogging and seeing daily vlogs and like I absolutely became obsessed like I became obsessed with the characters that were on YouTube and like especially sort of like the vlogging and like seeing people's lives I just thought it was just so incredibly interesting um and sort of from that I I got quite a sort of an interest within it um, my mum would always say, oh, you'd be a really good Blue Peter presenter. Like, will you be really good presenting? You're very confident when you're talking yeah. to people and stuff like that. So I think that kind of like spurred me on to, to be interested in that field. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I got, I got a camera. I basically started just like testing, like filming things. Yeah. And like, as you can imagine, the first videos are awful. Have you still, have you still got those videos? Uh, do you know what? It's so annoying. Like they're not on YouTube, yeah. but I had everything on a hard drive for like yeah. pure memories. Yeah, yeah. And like a couple of years ago, I went on it. And I think I accidentally must have deleted oh. like everything that I had created. And it's frustrating. So, like so when I say accidentally, I genuinely accidentally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was copying stuff over and I don't know, I don't know whether it got corrupt or, or whatnot, but it's quite frustrating. I lost a lot of like really old content. I used to do a lot of like challenges and, you know, the vlogging, it would just be me, you know, going on a bike ride and filming five, six minutes of content yeah. and just sort of looking around and going, <laughs> what can I talk about and film? And um, yeah, it was like such a, such a slow growth. I mean, yeah. the, the, where I really, so before like the filming of me being a personality, I did a lot of like gaming. Okay. So it was like with like Call of Duty and you know, a lot of other games like that. I filmed yeah. that content and put that up. But then after doing that for a while, I sort of, thought I, I really want to be in front of the camera I want people to know me rather than being like this anonymous person yeah. and YouTube was still in the way that it was like still weird to like put yourself online and film yourself and I think my parents were a bit like okay look like you know go for it they've always been yeah. incredibly supportive and that's why that's what I like really thank them for. How, how old were you when you started putting videos online then so like gaming stuff I think I was around about 14 uh, but I wasn't like I wasn't actually physically in the videos it was yeah, mainly yeah. just like showcasing game yeah. gameplays yeah, and stuff yeah. but i think me being in the videos probably like 16 like 15 it's 16 still pretty young and quite a long time ago for parents to even understand what yeah. that is so to have a parent or parents that are supportive yeah i mean yeah I they, they basically said to me they said look you need to get a job you get a job as soon as you earn 
enough income from your YouTube channel to cover your job, yeah. you can then quit your job. And for me, it was perfect because I had a goal, um, yeah. you know, and they allowed me to do that. You know, yeah. some parents could be like, oh, what are you doing? No, you need to go and do this, do that. But my parents were incredibly encouraging of like letting me have the freedom to discover what I wanted to do on my own, which, yeah. you know, is really great. Were you completely self-taught then? Filming, editing? Yeah, yourself? like I've, I've always been like completely like self-taught with like yeah. everything that I've done. I think in a creative world yeah. and like digital world and anything to do with kind of media, I think the best way to learn is just do it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, lo I love watching tutorials and like videos on YouTube and stuff, but yeah. it, you can't really teach creativity. So, no. um, you know, I just kept getting, and I still do now, I get obsessed with things. And when yeah. I get obsessed with things, I kind of like, I feel like in my head, it's like a completion bar. And like, how completed yeah. am I with this before I'm kind of like over it and I'm ready to move on to the next thing. So I, you know, I would start learning like, you know, how to use Photoshop yeah, and yeah, how yeah. to, you know, edit and, and just simple things like that. Yeah. And then I'd get really interested in like how to build websites. And um, I was always like quite interested in, computers and like the technical stuff I, I did where well, they called it IT but it's, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I did IT at school but that yeah, was yeah. just like you know it's not exactly stretching no, your no, knowledge no. and then I, I went to college and it, that was media production but it was just you know on our like second year we yeah. were learning like how to efficiently set up a tripod and it was just <laughs> it was just ridiculous yeah, yeah. um I was so far ahead, which I think, you know, anyone would be if they were interested in that. You should know just how yeah. to do these certain things and the pocket money I'd get, I'd buy tripods and equipment and I just just was really interested yeah. in it. So you skipped uni, there was no... I was always wanting to go to uni. Yeah. I always wanted to. Yeah. I I very much wanted to like, you know, do the college and then go to university. And yeah. again, it was gonna be like studying media production. And yeah. I was sort of toying between the idea of like visual effects. I really like visual effects. And I was interested in potentially doing that with like movies and, and adverts and stuff like that. And then uh, as I was in college, the YouTube videos just started to, to pick up and yeah. I was seeing more viewership and it was a sort of a clear path for me to go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I need to focus on this because this is doing something now and there is opportunity in the in the future yeah. and i saw what you know the big youtubers were doing and you know the the monetary opportunity yeah, that was yeah. there yeah um and yeah just decided that i need to give this a go for myself and kind of you know work for myself and be my own boss is that then your kind of advice not to put words in your mouth but for younger people who are maybe 16 to 18 they don't know whether to go to university they're starting to build a social media profile do you think it's I don't know, as accessible to become a YouTuber these days or a TikToker or whatever it may be? I think it's really hard. Like I think yeah. becoming a YouTuber is incredibly yeah. difficult yeah, because I the agree. platform is, I wouldn't say the platform's very fair in like distributing content out. It's not, no. it's not like a TikTok. It's not like you could just post some random video and kind of go over, like viral overnight. I mean, maybe you can depending on what the content is, but yeah. it's incredibly hard. And mm. I've found that over the last couple of years as I've sort of slowly started to not produce as much content producing mm. like 15 minute like videos 20 minute videos it is really difficult to yeah. like keep people engaged for that long yeah, yeah. back in the day i'd like sit down do a, a 10 minute q a yeah. and the video would get hundreds of thousands if not millions of views now yeah. you need to follow mr beast and buy an up someone a private Got, island yeah, to get exactly. anywhere near that kind of like competition so i've always found it re recently that the bar has been raised so high that i think unless you're like 
a very extraordinary character or you are doing something that's very niche and yeah. hasn't really been done before, yeah. it's very difficult. But you then have the likes of, you know, TikTok and Snapchat and the more short form platforms where mm. you can grow a, a significant following overnight for doing the most random, like just yeah. simple basic stuff. Do you think the short form rise of content has been a good thing for the industry? I think it's been a good thing, but I also think it's been a bad thing. I mean, I think it's quite damaging for young people uh, to be able to put something out, kind of get stardom overnight and then not really know what to do. And they yeah. never have that as a real plan of, of where they want to go. You know, they might think it's a great thing and it could be an awesome thing, mm. but it also could be, you know, a highly negative thing. Yeah. You know, you see a lot of people when they have that overnight stardom that, you know, they have so much attention around them. Yeah. When that then goes, they have no idea what they're going to do with their life and they haven't sort mm. of set things in preparation of like what's next. Yeah. It's interesting because we manage a lot of TikTokers and I think that the one thing that's really diff just kind of different to YouTubers is, and this is going to sound super obvious and I'm saying it out loud, but it's so obvious, is that the, the amount of time that it takes to produce a good YouTube video is 20 to 30 times what it is to do a TikTok video. I think they're surprised by one, the, the input that it takes to build a YouTube channel. But also, like you said, the algorithm isn't that favorable in terms of pushing YouTube long form videos out. So they get a few hundred views and they're like, nah, I'm out. It's not worth the amount of time that I've just put in. So I think that personally, from a, from a social media standpoint, I think it's great for an accessibility thing that a lot of people can get onto TikTok or onto YouTube shorts, whatever it may be. But I do think it's saturated the market quite a lot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, as you said it, like YouTube is is a hard platform to crack and a yeah. hard platform to like gain that following. Yeah. I mean, even myself now, like thinking about producing a YouTube video, I'm like, oh God, like. But you've <laughs> stayed super I... consistent. Like I was looking yeah. at your channel like years and years of consistency. Yeah, yeah, because it was just so fun. Yeah. It was so new. It was so fresh. Yeah. There were so many like amazing brands and like things changing in my life. All of my best friends were doing it. So yeah. it was just like perfect. It was yeah. just, it was just such an, a great like time of my life. Mm. And now it's like more focusing on like what's next. And, yeah. you know, I've always thought about that, like even before I, you know, stopped uploading as much as I, I used to, mm. is that like, what is next? Like, how can yeah. I put my hands in lots of different pies yeah. so that I'm not just relying on YouTube because it, it won't be there all the, you no. know, all the time and forever. And also, is it something that I want to be doing when I'm like, 35, 40, I'm still like vlogging and like cooking things in my apartment. Um, yeah. What about, how do you like stay consistent? Not even just from the practicalities of editing, posting, but coming up with ideas and being creative. How does that, even now, yeah. like how do you do that? So back in the day, I used to create a lot of like really random videos. Yeah. And random videos are just like, they're just all over the place. One minute I'm like, trying to do a comedy skit of something next I'm doing a challenge of how many raw eggs I can eat then I'm doing this and I'm doing that and the problem with it is is that if you have one video that does well and they like that style of video or content or yeah you know it's it's then hard for that viewer to come back if you post something then completely different yeah it's yeah, like yeah. if you were if you were a, a podcast channel and then you uploaded like gaming videos yeah. all of a sudden you would lose that audience and 
for me, I started working on concepts. And I think mm. like concepts and like repetitive patterns of videos mm. for me is the only way I would ever be able to like yeah. produce more content on YouTube because it's just so difficult to make hits that are just one-offs all the time. Yeah. So I very much started doing stuff with with James and you know, we would like, honestly, like I'd go to like Toys R Us and be like, right, what quirky games can we buy? There was one that you have like this, like helmet thing that you put on and you've got to pull these sticks out and there's oh, water yeah, at the yeah. top and it will just all dribble out if you pull the wrong one. And it's just like videos like that yeah. just did great. So once I did that, I was like, perfect. We now have like, 10 other ideas because yeah. there's 10 other games out there that we can produce content from. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like the Q and A's. It was like, that was a concept that we did. And then yeah. we really started moving into like the food because the sort of the Q and A's and like the talking and stuff that started not becoming as popular anymore because mm. every YouTuber was doing that. Yeah. And it was like, how can we, how can we kind of be different? So yeah. um, we started like coming up with weird concepts, like blending everything. So we would buy like, you know, every single, dairy milk chocolate bar we actually haven't done that i don't know why i've just given that as a guy but we buy like every single like millions flavor <laughs> yeah, like the yeah. millions little sweets blend them all up and then we've got to drink them and like you know we call the blender brenda <laughs> like blend, brenda, the blend. it was horrible we'd like blend every single like flavor of cheese yeah. and it was just like such weird concepts like that and my brother brought such an interesting dynamic because yeah. he's quite an odd character and you know he <laughs> he would just not want to eat anything or do yeah, it and yeah. uh you know but it made it made the video really funny and um you know, it was, it was very good fun. And we also then, uh, you know, did concepts like trying everything off the menu, just like, you know, you don't have to be, uh, yeah. you know, that smart to come up with them, but it's something that you can then repetitive, like repeat over yeah, and over yeah. again. It's like, you can do Nando's, McDonald's, KFC. And that's basically how I lasted yeah. so long was that we could just make so much content around one concept. What about the production side of it though? Like, how do you stay on top of that? Like, did you have... Because we've got a lot of creators who like they'll have bank filming days, bank editing days. Like, how did you do it, or did you just yeah. do it when, as and when you needed it? So I was like the sole filmer and editor for a long time, yeah. like until like twenty two, twenty three, maybe something like that. I'm twenty eight now, right. so in the last like four or five years, yeah. uh, I don't at the moment currently, but I've always had someone work for me just full time, right. um, and their job was just uh, filming, editing, and just kind of like looking after like the production, and then you know other businesses that my my production company looks after, and. Uh, I didn't mind the filming. It yeah. was the editing. Yeah, like, yeah. I really don't like editing. I've done it so much. I don't want to see my face that much. Yeah, you know? true. I'm or, just on a screen all the time. listen to your voice like all day. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, I then find my creativity lacks massively because I just want to yeah. get it done. Yeah. Um, so I'd much prefer to give someone that like creative control to be able to edit it and like put their own, put their own spin on it really. Yeah. But um yeah, I've never I've never had a big team with like the production side. Mm. With filming, um, you know, we'd we'd sometimes depending on what the the content was, like back, what kind of the one-off videos, like the more larger videos, like yeah. they would take a couple of days to like film, couple of days to edit. Um, but for more more of the concepts of like, you know, cooking something or trying food, like we could mm. film like four or five in a day and then that's like a month's worth of content done. Wow. Um, and then it would maybe take like a week or maybe like four or five days for the for, for my editor to crack them out because it wouldn't take really more than a day to edit it because we know what the style is. We know yeah. what we're doing. And YouTube videos are like, you can film them in a way that they're quite easy to edit. Yeah. You know, it's like, for example, a podcast, 
you don't really need much editing to it. So it's no, more just no. like watching it back and have looking at it. Have you seen this AI editor we were just talking yeah, about? Yeah, I have. I tried it out. Did it, you? It did, it did a pretty really good job. It. It yeah, did it? it did a pretty good job. Um, it's kind of scary. Is it? Like all, oh, it's, oh it's, it's, it's just scary all these things coming into play because it's going to really shape things up massively. Did it, did, did it do a decent enough job for you to put it out or did somebody have to go back in and maybe like tweak it? I think things? you'd always need to tweak it. Right, okay. And I think the problem that you find is that it would make it and it adds like the captions and stuff. Mm. But if the captions are wrong, you can't edit it. Yeah. Uh, or if like you want to do a, a certain cut. So w what I found with it is that when I was, my, the podcast that I did with my brother, yeah. we have three camera angles, right. but it then wouldn't, it wouldn't ki kind of like understand too much if we did like quick, uh, quick cuts for right. like comedy purposes yeah, or effectiveness. Yeah. It didn't understand it, but oh, I think if you were okay, doing more yeah, of yeah. like a very chilled, like business sit yeah. down chat, like I think it would probably work very well for this. Yeah, I was going to say, we, were, should talk try we, we were talking about potentially trying it for one of the podcasts. You should try it. Well, how important from an editing point of view though, because you mentioned you had the same person kind of full time. Because a lot of our creators are like, oh, should I get an editor? Should I not get an editor? And the only thing I say to people is, if you're going to get an editor, because some of the top channels still edit their own videos. Yeah. But if you are going to get an editor, it needs to be the same editor every time. Yeah. Because it's very difficult, like you say, to get that feel for it. Like, have you found that to be a really key element? So I, I've had like three three maybe four editors different right, editors okay. and like a lot of it like when i first start working with a new editor is like them understanding your style so yeah, like yeah. there is a lot of like back and forth for them to like really get to grips with what it is yeah but my videos were always like relatively easy to edit you're not editing a movie yeah, it's yeah. like just adding things together it's like a zoom in for certain effects adding a bit of text here adding something quirky and then yeah. <clears throat> you know them also having their own creative like twist on it and yeah. you know I, I like that i want to i think in businesses you should always hire someone that is better than you 100%. at that job yeah. you know if you're not then is it the right hire maybe not um but i always looked for people that were just better than me and that could do it and really enjoyed it uh but i did always edit my like vlogs uh, i didn't want to lose complete control over editing mm. so the main channel they would edit and like the gaming channel and you know help with creating graphics and different things like that but mm. the vlogging channel is Vlogging is quite a personal thing. Yeah. So if I'm talking about something and then I'm like, oh no, I need to I need to do do that again or it's not right. Like sometimes I don't want someone looking at the rushes or the raw bits of it because yeah. it's like a video diary sometimes, yeah, yeah. you know? And um, yeah, I like, I, I kept control of that because I thought it was important to, yeah. you know, be a part of it. What still. about your socials in general? Have you always kept control of that or have you even had people come in and help with the posting no, and whatnot? I've always kept control over my socials. Right. Uh, the only time I uh, worked with someone, it was just an agency and, and they were, they sort of saw an opportunity to like cut down some of my YouTube videos and put them on Facebook. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, th they did it. Um, you know, great guys, great agency, yeah. but like the videos didn't pop and to be honest, like the editing style of it, like, I'm kind of surprised they didn't. It just wasn't yeah. right. And I, I I never really thought it was that right. So then I I took it back, started yeah. editing those videos and doing it myself. And then I just saw instant like viewership straight away. Mm. So I think it was really down to like the style of how they were done. And because they haven't created that video, it's, it's like, hard, isn't it's it? really, it is yeah. hard. It's very difficult. Yeah, um, yeah. So 
I think it's important to always keep like your hand on the wheel and yeah. to be involved with everything because as soon as you lose that control I think you can lose the real like authenticness and like the kind of storytelling of videos and, and content and what and what made your audience like you in the first place exactly right? yeah what's it been like because you mentioned and we'll go into it in a second into, into going into different revenue streams and different businesses and stuff like that you've obviously started a CBD company right how has it been balancing your socials and your and your companies at the same time? Like that's a lot to take on. Yeah. So um, going back to kind of like when COVID hit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you can say COVID. When <laughs> yeah. going back to when we had that, yeah, that bad that, that break, bad break and illness in the world. Yeah. Um, I struggled a lot. I mean, like a lot of people, you know. I find myself very fortunate and lucky and like there's so many other people out there less fortunate and yeah. you know but I, my mental health struggled and you know mm -hmm. it, it was a time where it was hard to sort of film with James he was kind of doing his own thing yeah. and uh, you know no one was allowed to leave their houses and like you know I don't have a very large apartment. So for like creatively thinking and like having spaces to film different content was like very, very, yeah. very restricted. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was a uh, kind of okay or being inside, well, this is different. This is weird. But then after some time it was like, wow, I haven't uploaded in a while now. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't, I can't work with an editor or a filmer. Like, yeah. how am I going to make content? Yeah. And, um, I kind of got the advice from a couple of different people to just stop. And I just, I regret it so much. Like they were just like, oh, you should have a break. Like, why don't you have a yeah. break? And like, you know, that should never have been given the advice that I was given. And these yeah. were people who were working with me on a professional level. You know, it's not like my family thinking about my well-being. These were, you know, people that I had a commercial relationship with. And, mm. you know, I just... I really wish that the advice was not stop and it was like, just have a break for a month and then let's let's work together to figure out what you want to do. Yeah. Because that break, as soon as I went from uploading every single week for years and years and years yeah. to then not, if, if I tried to do that schedule now, it would just feel so weird. Like yeah, it just, yeah. just completely weird. And, and unfortunately it kind of got to the point where I then just became so, it was so normalized to not upload videos that mm. it was really hard to get back into it. And that's kind of then, that was the point where I then just sort of stopped uploading regularly. Yeah. I've done sort of a couple of videos, but I think I've done two or three in the, like the last like a year or two. That's crazy. Um, like I've done go, vlogs. To and, go from like doing every week to just not, yeah and your whole mindset yeah. change is is kind of fascinating really yeah if you think about it like it, i think i got to a point where i was like for a while i just wasn't enjoying youtube and i basically was just like i'm over it like i was i was doing other things i was i was like having fun with doing a bit of streaming yeah. you know me and me and some of the guys in, in my group like we were doing some streaming stuff yeah. and i was also focused on like lots of other areas like at, at that time like throughout covid like cryptocurrency was was a was a massive topic and i I've been investing in cryptocurrency since like 2017. So it started to surge and I was like, okay, wow, like this is where my like focus needs to be. Yeah. And I very much switched my focus to like where I see the biggest opportunity at that one time. So right now at the moment, like my time split between my own social content and my company is, is the majority of it now, I would say is probably like 80% on the company really? because the, the socials I focus on, but I'm 
and I've always been consistent with short form. Yeah. Short form's great because yeah, yeah. it takes no time at all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can, you can do very well. And it's, uh, you get that dopamine hit of if it, yeah. if it does well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've always been, you know, very much used to that uploading a video and it doing well and you understanding how much you are going to get for that one video. Mm. Switching to then a business, which we've now been building for three years, mm. has been like a really weird shift in mindset because it's been like a long process of building something yeah. and it's sort of slow rewards and it's nothing like how you would with no. you know YouTube and working with brands and, and, and things like that. So um, yeah, my, my time's mainly like on Unique because I see that being a really big, field in the future and once it's set up to a place that can kind of like automatically run itself it's like then i can be like okay well where is now my focus gonna lie is it like solely on that or am i splitting up with, yeah. with other things how did the um idea for unique come about yeah so um after sort of b before the i'm not even gonna say <laughs> that actually um so yeah, it was like it was like years. It was years ago. Now it was like four years ago, five years ago, and it was sort of like as I was not coming to the end of YouTube, but it wasn't like in the real middle of it when things were going mad. I would just start getting like a lot of anxiety by going to events like right. red carpets and you know just just filming things with brands. I just started to not enjoy it as much yeah. and like meet and greets. Like I loved it when I was sort of in my like early twenties. Like it was just like such a new crazy yeah. thing. And then as I was getting on, I was like, I just don't like this anymore. And like, I love, I love meeting viewers. I love it in like, you know, if I see someone on the street, like I'm happy to talk to them, happy to take pictures, happy to do whatever. But like mm. when you have to meet like 3000 people in one room, um, yeah. it's, it's like, it's not then as enjoyable, you know? Right. So, um, I basically started looking like, okay, well, like, what can I do to kind of like calm my nerves or anxiety? And, mm. uh, as you do, you pro probably look on, you know, Amazon straight away. What can I buy? And there was a lot of products and, um, they were just like hemp seed oil. And, and where I sort of found out about CBD was through my mum. She was, uh, not very well. She was going through chemotherapy oh. and she was trying to find, like any kind of like natural remedies to help her through that whole process. And she was obviously, you know, had crazy anxiety at that, at that point in time. So, yeah. um, you know, she recommended, you know, using some CBD and, um, Evie and I, we, we were out in America and obviously their laws with, you know, cannabis and CBD yeah. now has, has, you know, changed so rapidly that their CBD, we had like some CBD chocolate. And I, I just felt like this, wave of sort of like calmness and just like mm. it, I, don't, I don't know how to describe it it's just like a balanced I just felt balanced right yeah, and yeah. um so yeah so we we, we came back uh, to the UK and we we were really interested in like what products were on the market mm. so, that, so we looked on Amazon and there was a lot of products that were hemp seed oil products and and hemp seed oil is it contains little to no CBD in. It's basically mm. just the seed that they've extracted the oil from. So, right. uh, you know, there's, there's, there's not, there's maybe some things that are good about it, but it's not the sort of full potential of, of actual CBD. So um, we kind of felt after buying that and using it for a while and then sort of yeah. later studying and realizing that, you know, it's, it's actually a bit useless. We were just sort of a bit frustrated that we sort of felt a bit scammed, but also this was the only thing on Amazon and there wasn't many like CBD companies in the UK. And if they were, they're a bit shady, they're a bit dodgy. Their branding was a bit off and terrible. Yeah. They had massive cannabis leaves on them. And we were like, no one is going to 
like no 40 year old middle-aged woman or man is yeah. going to buy that because they're going to see that as like a negative thing right yeah, yeah, yeah. as a negative connotation so we we saw an opportunity to kind of like shape up that industry into something that's a bit more science-backed and a bit more professional so um we basically, we started looking at like different people that we could work with. Um, and we actually started formulating our own products for like ourselves and, and like friends and family. We just wanted to kind of see what we could do. We put a small bit of money in and this was before we had a company or anything. Yeah. Um, and then we, we produced an oil that was just like really, really nice in taste. All of them that we tried, they just like they taste like dirt, um, and they just they just were not very pleasant. Yeah. And we we made that one, which was like a really nice, like refreshing, like natural peppermint, uh, and we were just super happy with it. And we we had some really good like reviews and feedback from family and friends. We were like, there's an opportunity for us for us to do something here. Mm. So uh, we partnered with a lab in Manchester, and they work on all of our formulations and all of our products. And we're proud that the fact that like mm. we work you know, on our products in the UK yeah, and, yeah. and all of them are custom formulated. So right, a lot okay. of products you'll see, they're white label, which essentially means that the company has produced the oil and they just fill it into different branded bottles and they can do the branding for you, this and that. Mm. But we wanted like a complete hands-on approach being called Unique CBD. We couldn't yeah, go down yeah, the yeah, route yeah. and start using like white label products and stuff. So yeah. we, um, you know, we started formulating that and we, we, we did two oils, uh, ingestible oils, which started to do really, really well. One for the day and one for the night, mm. uh, which varied in, in different strengths. Uh, and then we, we started to like, just want to pivot in different areas and, yeah. and really like test the the field and the, and the market. So we pivoted into like skincare products because we sort of, a lot of retailers and companies and, and people were a little bit, uh, not concerned, but it was still, they were, all, they were on the edge about whether they want to take an ingestible CBD yeah, product yeah. when it was such a new market. Yeah. So we wanted to create something that was like more for the skin, uh, that the CBD can absorb in the skin. And there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of research out there to demonstrate, you know, what CBD can do for, you know, as a topical product. And uh, so we released a body cream uh, and then we released later two serums, um, which were equally great. Like we, we kind of like, we wanted to make like the most natural kind of like serum as we could. And, and the market mm. research that we did, we looked at a lot of like really high end brands that were selling serums for like 100, 200 pounds. Good. And we then after sort of diving into their ingredients a bit more that some of them used fragrances and they just like, they just weren't sort of the best, like most natural ingredients. So um, Evie being uh, the absolute sort of skincare fanatic that she was, she yeah. started working out like, okay, what ingredients do we need in this? How are we going to formulate it? And then we, we, we made it. And I, I actually, I've never, I don't really use skincare, but I absolutely love the serums. They're yeah. so silky and like smooth on your face. They're, they're really great products. How, how do you get around the misconception of CBD? Because as soon as like, if I said CBD to like my parents, they'd yeah. be like, why are you smoking weed? Yeah. Like the first thing that is that would. Yeah. So how, how have you, or how are you trying to like change the misconception of it? Yeah. I think it's naturally changing, like yeah. as more news yeah, and yeah. research and things come about. I mean, for us, it's like, you know, we're a very like minimalistic yeah. white and black branded like type of company. And I think firstly, it's like branding, you know, it's, it's also education. Like we focus very much on education. Yeah. We have like yeah. 50 blog posts all about education on our yeah, website. Yeah. And then on like our Instagram and TikTok, like we are trying to educate the user as much as possible, but where we've really had so much trouble and issue mm. is that you cannot advertise CBD yeah. and you cannot say anything positive about CBD. 
So we cannot pay anyone or, or even use Google ads to market yeah. our product. And we cannot say what it would do for you in any kind of positive way. And being able to not do that, it's like, how can you sell? It's very difficult. So yeah. that's where with the skincare wow. um, and like for our night drops e example, mm. um, we can talk about, so our night drops, we can talk about the terpenes in that and some of the ingredients in the skincare. And we have to just like completely not talk about the CBD. That's wild. Um, we, we had a French, I can't remember the name of the company. We had a French company approach us about doing an influencer campaign. Okay. And we said like, you can't, you can't talk about it. So I don't understand what you're going to want us to talk about in these campaigns. So we didn't end up doing it. because it So we can get anyone else to talk about it. Right. I just as a founder can't talk about it. And we, and to customers, we right. basically have to be just like very careful. But there are so many brands that will, that will say CBD is great for pain. This is mm. the pain product. Mm. This is the anxiety product. I mean, they're they're health claims, you know, almost yeah. me the medical claims. And, uh, you know, it's kind of the highest level of claim that you can make. And a lot of, a lot of companies, they don't even know what they're allowed no. to say and what they're not. No, but no. we want to be so careful because we really see ourselves being in this industry for a long time and adapting as the industry does. Yeah. And we want to do it so professionally and so right that like we have to be on the edge of caution like all the time with it. But it, yeah. it sets us back and it, and it you know, uh, we have a disadvantage over some others, but you know we just continue, you know, building and working away. And we recently, we uh, about six months ago, we saw an opportunity in the market for a healthier uh, vaping product. Um, mm. I don't know whether you know, but the the vaping epidemic in in the UK, but not yeah, in the yeah. UK, Europe, and the world is just insane. Yeah, people are absolutely addicted yeah, to yeah. vapes you know I, I see a friend and they'll lose their vape and they're like scrambling like it's been five minutes and they're losing their mind because they can't find where their vape is yeah. and we were just like this is insane there's so many young kids starting to smoke and like it's just terrible and i think the 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 issue is is that it's a it's the peer pressure of it it's like and it's the the wanting to fit in it's like if we went to a bar and mm. had a beer each yeah, well yeah. actually no if i had a beer and you didn't have a beer you'd sort of be like well what do i do in my house yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. what then people get out their phone and they're just like on the calculator <laughs> or like you know if, you know it's just it's, it's to fill yeah. that awkward void yeah, yeah, yeah and a lot of people they don't want the nicotine they like yeah. the taste of it but they don't want the nicotine at all and then as soon as they've had it for a bit they're addicted then they want to buy it and then and then it's really hard to quit so um uh, and, and then the other problem is disposables. Uh, yeah. Disposable vapes are absolutely awful for the planet. Like it's a lithium battery being buried in the ground after you've puffed it for one day, but yeah. essentially. Yeah. Uh, and we did a video on on TikTok where we went around London and in an hour we found, we found about 70 disposable really? vapes just littered. Uh, and that video went really viral. It did about yeah. 15 million views. And then <laughs> we've sort of gone out again to try and do the same video and we've gone, it's a lot cleaner around wow. here. You know, the council, have, yeah, they, maybe yeah, they've they seen they the listen, video because it's listen. a lot cleaner and yeah. obviously that's great, but it's still not solving the problem. So no. we launched a CBD bar. It's a rechargeable system. So we wanted to obviously kick out the, you know, the, yeah. the using of, of the lithium. Uh, there's zero nicotine in it and we have two different strengths, which is like 150 milligrams of CBD and 250 yeah. milligrams of CBD. And, uh, you know, again, can't say too much, but like there's, uh, you know, some, some, we've had some really positive reviews about people being able to swap it out for something that they're addicted to and now they're not addicted, um, you yeah. know, and it, and it fills that, that void as well um, of like, you know, if you want to fit in, well, you know, and you, and you, and you know that you're going to go out tonight and smoke someone's nicotine bar well you know there's an option there that yeah. um 
you know, that you don't have to do that. But we'd all, we always advise that, you know, anyone that isn't a smoker already, like we don't, we don't want to create more people smoking. We yeah, want to help people yeah, yeah, stop. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd always advise like, you know, the ingestible oils or, or something like that over than, you know, vaping. Cause at the end of the day, no one should be breathing in any chemicals. <laughs> you just breathe air. Um, how, how you mentioned earlier that the, like, I guess like the reward from building a business just takes longer than maybe some social media success that you've had in the past. How have you stayed motivated during this journey? Because it sounds like this has been going on for years, like years at this point, like, and I'm sure there's been ups and downs like any business. Yeah. How have you stayed motivated throughout that time? Yeah, I mean, we've, you know, we've we've done some really cool things. Like when we, when we sort of like uh, launched our oils, we were the first company to advertise with TFL on the London buses. Um, mm. You know, we're, we're now in the, the general store in the back, next to the Battersea Power Station. And, you know, we're, we're expanding our kind of like retail outreach at the moment and having yeah. some really positive, positive conversations. I think really it's like looking back on like where we started and like what we've created now. And yeah. to, be, to think that like, you know, me and my partner have developed this company and developed all of these products yeah. is, is quite incredible. Like I'm really proud of what we've done. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a way to go, um, but I'm, I'm just so proud of like what we've been able to achieve. And it's, there's only two of us, like we've used freelancers here and there, but like there's literally two of us that have solved every problem we need to That's create insane. these products. That's insane. Um, you've done it on your own. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge, you know? And, and as you said, you always have problems, but it's, it's, I think having your own business is actually just about finding solutions and problem solving. Yeah. And you learn that more and more. It's like at the start, I literally think the world would be over if we <laughs> yeah. didn't have a certain yeah. thing, but you learn yeah. about it and yeah. then you can like adapt and you know, your, your feelings and attitude towards things then change into more of a positive light. That's one of the best, the best words of advice that I've had from anybody on this podcast thus far about business which is it is just problem solving and like you say at the beginning it's like your world's ended because your website's not working yeah. or you didn't get paid by a supplier or I don't know you know freelancer screwed you over whatever it may be but all you've got to do is just keep getting up keep moving forward figure that yeah. out and if you keep doing that for enough time you'll have success it really is true it's, it's perseverance I mean We've also seen a lot of companies, like CBD companies, go bankrupt. Yeah. And they, these are like some of the biggest ones that are stocked in major retailers. Yeah. And they just like haven't... The, you, the why, market, do you, why do you think that the market's quite, The market is definitely like like slower at the moment right. because it's it's just such a new industry still. Yeah. Um, but a lot where we've realized where a lot of companies get really messed over is consignment. Right. And consignment is where you will give the product. So let's take a large retailer like Tesco's, for example. You give yeah. Tesco's, they might go, we need 100,000, yeah. let's say, bottles of CBD oil you have to produce those 100,000 CBD oils and give them to them, but you only get paid if they sell them. So it's like the worst deal for anyone going into a store. And we literally, we just go, we're not doing it. Like we will just not do consignment because it's the way that you, you do. I think you genuinely run the company into the ground unless you're, unless you have really big funding, you have really deep pockets yeah. and you can afford to do it and like not care. Yeah. And if they don't, if, if they don't sell in the store, you can then sell them somewhere else and you've got a really massive customer base. But if you're yeah. just starting out, like, you know, 
I don't see that as a positive at all. You're not getting you're not getting a, a buy. You're getting a shelf space, yeah, yeah. but it still needs the user to be able to want that product. And if they can simply order it online, and that's why we've mainly been just an e-commerce business mm. for the last like two and a half years, because it's just so much easier to operate. Yeah. We don't need to, anyone taking ridiculous margins from us and things like that. Like we can we can do everything ourselves if yeah. we all of a sudden just need to sell out of all of our products because we've got a problem. We just click, okay, the inventory is now zero and it does it. But in a store, if you go in there and promise them that you're going to keep delivering stock and then you can't, yeah. well, then you've got a legal problem because you're then, you know, going against the contract. It is just there becomes anything more complicated. you can do about that consignment issue? Is there, like, can you get, I don't even know, like 50% up front or anything like that? Or is no, it just they, they've, 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 they've got all the leverage? It's, it's two. They either buy the product from you or it's consignment. So it's, right. it's either, you know, some stores do it and they, they buy it from you, obviously they're then taking on the risk. Mm. Consignment, you are full risk and they could just go after a month, oh, we don't want them anymore, here you go. And and for us, we just we just don't like that. It's no. like, if you want to work with us, like you've got to buy the products from you've us. You've got surely. to believe in the product. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's very common for, for lots of brands to do consignment, for yeah. sure. Like, yeah. And it's, it's mainly about the space. Lots of brands, they lose lots of money being in retailers, mm. but it's because then, if you buy it in store once, you might visit their website and then you only order from their website again. Yeah. So it is a real kind of like, it's a kind of a conversion in a way. If you're if you're in a big retailer, someone instantly believes that and and, and has trust in you, right? And that's why yeah, we yeah. did like the campaign with TFL on the buses. And like, you know, we, we really try and make as much like high quality content as possible because yeah. we don't want to sort of follow you know, the crowd and, and do what they're doing in the space. No, it's, it's, it's super smart. One, one of the things that I want to talk to you about that we were talking on the way here and you've mentioned it is you made this business with your partner, Evie. Yeah. I made our business with my wife, now wife, Amy. What is it like working with your better half? Yeah, I mean, look, like to, 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 to sum it up where we are now, like incredible. Like I couldn't yeah. ask for like, a better partner, to be honest. Yeah. Like you know, we we're in, in you know in a business sense, we're just very aligned now. Yeah. At the start, you know, you're always going to have problems where you have a shift of like you know one person might think the company's going in this direction, the other person might think we're doing this, and you know. But we've got to a stage where like we know what our strong points are, yeah. and we know like where our position fits in the company, even though there's only two of us, we know what our strong points are. Like Evie is incredible at the design, the look of the company, mm. you know, the formulations for the product. Like she's just so good with that. Mm. I can, you know, come up with like the video concept ideas and, you know, it's more of like running the day-to-day -day business of side of things and, yeah. um, you know, finding suppliers and working how we're going to do things logistically and, you know, things like that. And I quite enjoy it. I like sitting at my computer and I like kind yeah. of like problem solving those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's just amazing. And I, I'm, I'm, ex I'm just can't wait until we're at that position and we're just, you know, the company's grown to such a size. We're just like, wow, like, well, I can't believe we've done this together. Like what better yeah. way to do it with your, you know, your partner. Is it hard to switch off? when you're together. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's the only thing that's like quite hard is that mm. we, you know, we have an office in our apartment. So our apartment is a bit like a workspace yeah, at yeah. the moment, yeah. but it's temporary. And, yeah. you know, as soon as we, you know, get an office, it's like all the work stuff is in the office. As soon as we come home, it's like switch off. Yeah. But we love it. And I yeah, think yeah. that like, obviously you need to have 
that separation. Yeah. But I also believe that if you love something so much of like work, I, then yeah. what's the problem with that? I think if you were constantly complaining about work and yeah, talking yeah. about the negatives and, you know, things like that, then, um, you know, there's a problem. But when you're so excited for something yeah. and you're creating and you're able to use your skill sets yeah. together, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's amazing. I will say one thing. If you figure out how to leave it at the door at the office, tell me because there is no way that's going to happen. Yeah. Like we get, I'll, I know I'll get home tonight and I'll be like, I do not want to talk about work. And it'll be like 9 p.m. <laughs> and we'll both go, did you see this? And then like, <laughs> the next hour yeah. in bed talking about, I don't know, something tiny. And then yeah. we're like, we even if we're on like, um, we'll be on like a date or something. Not that we do that that much anymore because of our daughter, but we're, we're going on a date on Sunday for our anniversary taking our daughter with us i know for a fact even if we yeah, say do yeah. not talk about work yeah. something will get brought up about work because it like you say because yeah. we both love it though i think if it's whether you're talking about like loads of negative things no, yeah, or it's yeah, talking no, no, about no, no. the excitement for the future i think if no. you're talking about excitement for the future yeah. i think that's a natural thing that any couple is going to talk yeah. about because it's exciting to be in it together but yeah. if you're like constantly like moaning about this and this isn't right <laughs> and that's not right then yeah it's like you're then kind of like putting a negative environment yeah. and just about the work but yeah it's, it's really it's hard to get that balance and i'm not a very i'm not very good at balancing things like i'm kind yeah. of like an all or nothing yeah, type of person yeah, and um you know in my mind i'm like yeah well when, when we get to the business to a certain size like i will then just switch off yeah. right like equally no i won't it's, <laughs> it's like we literally i'm going on holiday tomorrow for like 10 days yeah and like Evie knows I will be working like the whole time, yeah. but like working in a capacity that like, I might have an hour's call here. I might have to do some emails in the morning, but yeah. I love it. I'll, I'll go I'd down while she's- do, Yeah, you'd rather yeah. do that. I'll go down while she's sunbathing. I'll sit in the shade and yeah. do some emails because I just burn Mate, like I'm, crazy. I'm the, so. I'm the exact, exact same. Like we're going on holiday in a few weeks time and she's like, are you going to do a bit of work? And I'm like, yeah, are you? Mm. And we're like, we'll do a bit of emailing yeah. because that will help us switch off more than, Somebody, do you know Alex Hermosi? Hermosi, uh, he's like a really, really ripped guy yes. with a hat and he wears shorts. Yes. He, he was on Stephen Bartlett's podcast. Yes, yes, I, think, he, I watched a bit of that. And actually, he was yeah. basically saying, we should get rid of this idea of should. Like you should do this. You should switch off when you go on holiday. You should not yeah. watch Netflix. You should yeah. go to the gym. He's like, why? He's like, yeah. I love, he was, he was saying, I love to work for like 10 days straight and then I have a break. I don't really have weekends. And people are like, you shouldn't do that. He's like, why? Because yeah. for me, I like it. Yeah. Like, that works for me. The one thing that, that resonated there about working with your partner is I think that one of the best things that I find about working with Amy is that she gets it yeah. when I have to spend days or hours oh, working. Yeah. Before yeah. when we didn't work together, she still, she still kind of got it. But I, now she says it's far, far easier to understand that because she's like, I've been there now. I understand why you're having to do it. And I think I love that element of it. Oh yeah, I mean like Evie's so supportive. Like even when yeah. I was doing the YouTube stuff, like if I'm up till 2 a.m. working, yeah. she is like, okay, that's fine. Make, like make you're, you're, you know, she's not, oh, you've got to now come and give me attention. <laughs> like, you know, I think if it goes on for a couple of weeks, she's like, look, like I need a bit of attention now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you with what you were saying about like, you know, should do this, shouldn't do that. I mean, even I, I saw my parents yesterday and, um, you know, even when I was chatting to them, I sort of like quickly opened the laptop yeah. to an email. And, uh, you know, as I was leaving, she was like, oh, right, you go home and relax now. You deserve a rest. I'm like, 
but I don't want to. No, She's no. like, no, but you need to. I'm like, yeah, yeah but I don't. Because yeah. like, I'm naturally as a character, like I'm kind of like bouncing off the walls yeah, with yeah. like excitement and things anyway. Yeah. And if I don't get it done, like it literally gets jammed in my head and I'm then thinking about like a hundred different things. Exactly. And the, yeah. the more I get out of my head and done, then like the happier I, I yeah. am with it. Yeah. Um, and I think if you run your own business and you're doing things that you love and it's excitement, like it's just like a hobby. Like, you know, it's just anything you're passionate in. It's exactly. quite difficult to switch off from it. If you play sport, if exactly. you're a musician, like Josh is a videographer, like never once put down a camera kind of thing. Like it's the same, it's the same thing with everybody. I, um, I need it for my mental health as well. Yeah. To like keep me, keep me doing stuff. Like I think yeah. that, you know, it's, everyone always strives for like, oh, I can't wait for retirement. I want to retire early and then do nothing. I'm just going to play golf all the time. Or do but it's like, you will then get to a point where you'll just be like, what, do I do in my life anymore? Yeah, you'll then get bored of golf and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and you'd just be like, what's my purpose if like I'm not working on something? And I I always, for my for my whole life, I I want to I want to be able to be in a position where like I can do the things that like I want to do. So like the running of the company and stuff, I don't not want to do that. <laughs> like, I do not want to do the admin. I do no, not want no, to do no. that. But I want people to come to me going, right, okay, for this year, we're thinking about launching this product, this, this, this. What do you think here of the designs? And yeah. me to go, yes or no, or I like it or I don't. And then yeah. give that sort of like top level input, but always be thinking and always be like working on something. I, I, yeah. I really think it's important. I agree. To round it up, what is your biggest lesson, whether social media or for business, for future social media creators or entrepreneurs that you've yeah. learned over, over your time of doing both of those, those things? Yeah, I think the main thing is just like persistence, like just like keep going at something, like even when something isn't working or isn't going your way or you don't really see like where it's going to lead to, just keep going because it, so many people just like stop right before that big moment can yeah. occur. And I've experienced it so much before where like, I've had thoughts of like, maybe this isn't right. Maybe I shouldn't do it. And then I've persevered with it. And then, you know, instantly or almost gone, oh my God, I can't believe I thought I was going to stop because yeah. now this has happened. Like, yeah. this is amazing. Yeah. And really it's just like, you know, doing stuff that you love. I think it's so important to just really enjoy what you do and you're only going to do much better at that in the future and just like continue to grow as a person if yeah. you're you know enjoying everything that you're that you're doing really and and also remember that like things are always going to be tough like it's always going to be hard it's always going to be like you know difficult to do things um especially when you're trying to run your own thing like a company yeah. or, or whatever like yeah, yeah. it's not an easy task and that's what you're getting yourself into but you know go for it don't be afraid and and sometimes like you know that scared afraidness it can kind of like try and consume you but yeah. it's kind of a good thing in a way it yeah. drives you forwards and and it's just the unknown basically and you know you'll come out the other side and uh you'll be you'll be questioning why you ever doubted yeah. yourself basically love it holly thank you so much thank you for having me thank you.